cloud. Hey, hey, good morning, everyone here at Investing Stuff You Should Know podcast. We have a great guest with us here today, Ariel Diaz. He is a CCM. He's a, he's a credentialed and experienced investor. Uh, as we know here, we talk about uh, capital raising and funds on this show. And he has an exciting uh, tale to share with us, share with the audience, share with me, so we can all learn uh, how this, how we got here and, and what the setup was. So Ariel, thanks for being on here, man. Thanks for connecting and thanks for taking some of your time to share uh, your story with us. Absolutely, Johnny. Thanks for, for having me. Beautiful, man. Beautiful. So, um, well, we always kick it off with uh, just uh, tell us a little bit about uh, yourself. I know we were just chatting a minute ago, just kind of a little warm up um, chat. But uh, for the audience that didn't hear that, go ahead and tell, you know, uh, you know, a few moments, um, a quick uh, version of your story, and then we can get right into, you know, some of the, the capital raising in the fund space and, and why and why that became necessary. Absolutely. Yeah. So I'm here in uh, sunny Miami, Florida. Uh, <laughs> I have a real estate brokerage with my wife, Claudia. And uh, back in uh, 2001, I got my license. So I've been uh, in the real estate field for two decades now. It's, it's kind of crazy when you look back at it. Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, I started off as a, as a working with a property manager, more in residential, fix and flips, things of that nature. And little by little, I scaled my way up uh, to uh, doing commercial real estate, which is what I've always wanted to do. And uh, back in 2014, my wife and I uh, decided to open up our own brokerage. So that's exactly what we did. And uh, we're focusing in uh, Miami, Florida, obviously, but a specifically area uh, that was really growing. It was um, kind of a hot new area at the time, which was called Little Havana. And uh, we gathered some success. Uh, we did a couple uh, multifamily properties. And uh, next thing you knew, we were selling million dollar properties and um, with a small little team uh, and a small little home-based uh, office that turned into a very active office. So we were very happy and proud. And, um, and uh, little by little, after seeing our clients' success with their investments themselves, we obviously decided to do the same thing and we got into multifamily properties as well. Beautiful, man. That's, that's beautiful. And, uh, you know, the it's interesting when when we have people have this this thing about the timing like when is the timing right when is it when is it wrong and uh you know i think you alluded to that a moment ago we're just this kind of taking action and, and stepping into it and it doesn't mean that we're going to know what to take it doesn't mean we're going to like walk forward with a million bucks and plunk it down but there is you know wherever that we know the market's cyclical and you step into the space and like this is what i want to do it could be anything actually just you know we could go high level just go with a goal with something you want to do take a step into the space and then you know get, get your bearings and then take another step in the direction of your goal and you know towards that whatever area that you want to be in so you know the, the market could be crazy could be up could be down could be 2008 or some some other time like i said it's in 2014 it was the right time for you and uh things just start they start working out and that's really exciting and like i think just the listener should just you know just take note of that and i'm sure they've heard other things like that before but just make a note of that that's all Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, they, they, they say, you know, the best time to buy real estate was 20 years ago and the yeah. next best time is now. Yeah. And I believe by that, you know, I definitely believe that uh, Mark Twain said, you know, buy land and wait and uh, they're not building any more land anymore. And, uh, and I think what he meant by that is just, you know, uh, land and real estate, it's scarce. It's something scarce. Yeah. So at the end of the day, 
uh, you're going to be able to uh, get some sort of appreciation. Now, obviously, it's not always uh, extreme appreciation immediately, uh, like we've seen in the last few years. Uh, but in the long term, if you do, if you do it right, there is going to be appreciation. And as a matter of fact, back uh, last year, I actually wrote a book about that uh, called The Four Pillars of Real Estate. And it basically talks about that. You know, there's really four main ways of uh, generating uh, income through uh, real estate. And when people really understand that, uh, they can become very profitable from it. That's beautiful, man. And we'll give you, and I'll put the link to your to your book and any promotional, uh, uh, anything to help you uh, grow uh, at the end of the, in the podcast notes as well. And I'll put a link to your to your book. And I see it, uh, see it behind your shoulder there. Looks like an awesome book. We'll have to, I'll have to read that and, and check into it. But I love people that you know break down, they go back to their own um, journey, and then the, the things, the kind of the, the core lessons they have learned, and break it down for you know people that are just like starting out, or even people that are you know been working working in the space. And there's always like this aha moment, like yeah, oh, that's a, that's a that's a wonderful way of looking at that. So uh, it's really good yeah. to be to be part of that. Well, it was something that I've been uh, thinking about putting together for a while. And basically the purpose of it is exactly what you said um, earlier, which is a lot of people know that they should probably be in real estate. They wanna invest, but they don't know exactly um, how or why. And this is not necessarily a how-to book, but it's definitely a why book, right? It's why you should become an investor. And when you're done reading it, the goal is for you to think, okay, why am I not investing? And to go out there and research of how to become a real estate investor. And you know, again, it's 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 a it's a very lucrative business, and um, and most people know that most millionaires have been generated or, or became millionaires through real estate, but most people just don't know how they can actually get into it, and that's why I think you know people like you and me can step in um, and, and and assist uh, others to get involved in this beautiful world called real estate. Yeah, man, that's so good. You know, to get that foundation, the foundational why. And then, and then people can step into it. Like when they truly get the get, you know, believe in the why, then that will give them confidence to move into the to the how, right? And to take those next steps. All right, beautiful. Let's uh, let's pivot, you know, uh, and trying to uh, one of the focuses of the of the podcast is in the uh, the fun space. So give us the uh, kind of the narrative there of how you know you gave us kind of the foundation of where you started from, and then the, the brokerage, and you started into the commercial space. And then give us the, uh, the 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 bad the bad and the sad story of all of a sudden why or maybe maybe it's a good story actually maybe it's a good positive story of why you saw the need for why now for a fund. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like I said, I started off in uh, property management, residential. Then I started doing fix and flips and um, you know assisting others uh, to do that. And um, and really, commercial real estate was my calling. I started. Uh, I really got good at a- analyzing uh, real estate properties. And uh, as you know, and like you mentioned before, I got my CCIM, both my wife and I actually. Went oh, wow. Power couple. I like that. Yes. <laughs> yeah. do, do you challenge each other on stuff? Like, oh, you know, all like- the time. <laughs> oh, <good. laughs> it's part of the good thing about, uh, you know, having uh, your wife as your partner, you know, you could uh, challenge each other and um, we really have a lot of fun. And, you, you know, we, we could talk about clients 
and and she always understands where I'm coming from at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah. I think it's really been beneficial because you know at the end of the day we're entrepreneurs, and not everyone has an entrepreneurial mind. And, yeah. And sometimes you know when your when your spouse isn't entrepreneurial, maybe they don't understand uh, certain things that you're going through. But yeah, we're pretty much 24 seven uh, challenging each other and having fun. And then, um, then we like to take vacations. <laughs> that's beautiful, man. That, 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 the harmony and the power of a, of a, of a couple like that. And my wife and I are getting, uh, I've been become a lot closer in, in our you know, entrepreneurial work as well. Uh, she's probably going to leave her W2 job, you know, probably within a year or so. And, uh, I, I see that something really beautiful happening there or continuing, continuing to grow there. So I'm, I'm actually just for like, like what's one of your goals for 2022, Johnny? And it's like, well, you know, our marriage and where this is going to go with that. So I'm pretty excited about that. Well, that's that's uh, amazing to hear. I know that you recently become uh, unemployed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The world of being unemployed. Like I always tell people, I'm psychologically unemployable. I've been psychologically unemployable since 2000, uh, you know, 2020. Yeah. Uh, uh, actually, since 2001. I apologize. So for the last 10 to uh, 20 years, um, you know, just just going all at it as an entrepreneur. <clears throat> and to be honest with you, it's been it's been an amazing time. And, you know, one of the things that brought my wife and I together, besides her being very entrepreneurial, and one of the reasons really why I love real estate, too, is it really gives you that time freedom that, 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 that you search for. So as, as I was telling you, and, uh, you know, after seeing my investors having uh, success investing in real estate, we decided to invest in 2016 in our own multifamily. Uh, in, in 2018, we ended up. Well, we did a lot of things in 2016. So in, in 2016, we got our first property together, uh, which was before we even owned our um, apartment. And then we uh, ended up uh, buying an investment property and then yeah. we ended up getting married. And then we ended up uh, buying another property in 2018. And then in 2020, right before the pandemic, we actually took a group of uh, friends uh, to Africa because we're oh, both animal wow. lovers and we actually did this marriage ceremony in Africa. Wow, man. That's, yeah. that's amazing. It, it was <laughs> <It's> amazing. <laughs> and then literally right as soon as we got back, they closed down the borders and they closed down the flights and all that stuff. So, and then, you know, the pandemic happened. Yeah. And then that's when I said, you know, I have a little bit more time now, uh, you know, really to, to wonder, uh, you know, should we be investing? Should we not? Obviously, you know, we, we, we paused down that, you know, everyone was a little bit uh, unsure of what to do next. So that's when I started thinking, okay, let me write my book. Yeah. And, yeah. And that, that's, that's something else, man. I mean, people were, a lot of people around us, I'm sure you saw it too, among some of your friends was like, we were like, uh, you know, there's nothing to do and everything shut down. And uh, that's when I, my wife and I, and, all, and I also launched into, you know, you know, joining the multifamily group and studying it really hard. And I never had been busier, you know, I wish I would have been able to take action, like, you know, bring down a deal, but you don't, you don't know what you don't know. You know, you don't, if you don't know something, you got to learn so that we spent our time educating and, and talking to brokers and all, all those kinds of things. So that's what we did during 2020, you know, during the beginning of COVID awesome. and sounds like you optimized and took, took advantage yourself of that, of that quote down period. Right. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, we thought things were going to slow down and definitely things did slow down. Uh, but during that time period, you know, when we decided, OK, let's start looking for another investment property 
it got extremely, extremely competitive here in uh, in Miami. And it also, uh, I started looking at all the expenses and, you know, in the position that I'm in as being uh, one of the board members here in CCIM, we were doing a lot of networking, talking to other industri- industry professionals. And I realized that especially here and in other parts of, of the country, but specifically Florida, there was going to be a large uh, insurance hike. Mm, yes, yes. So with all these other new expenses, you, you realize soon that you better be scaling up. You better get into those larger deals. If not, you know, your, your income and your returns are going to get eaten up. Yeah, you, so you had a, Property you had insurance a, have gone up since then. Yeah, you had a great, uh, obviously, insight and ear to the ground on a lot of things going on from your position there. So you really saw a lot of, you know, you know a lot of sourcing, a lot of information from a lot of different places and had a really good insight on what, what was happening there. So that's, that's, you know, that's one, that's fantastic. Yeah. Well, ju- ju- just like you, you know, uh, I never stop learning. I'm always looking at other networking groups, other learning activities, you know, taking courses online. Uh, you asked me if, if you should take the CCIM. I, I always tell people take CCIM uh, 101 first, yeah. CI 101. And see if it's for you. It's it's definitely not for everybody, but the yeah. education there at that institute is just uh, by far one of the best that I've seen, especially when it comes to analyzing deals and um, and 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 doing feasibility studies. And that's really assisted me now as you know a fund manager because um, you know like as 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 we we're saying, in what I really do now more and more is I look at the sponsor, right? I look at yeah. the, the, the person that's going to be operating that deal. And I look at the area in the market and I kind of try to see where they're coming from, how they're looking at it, how they're analyzing the property. And I try to pick it apart really is what I do. Um, and, and you know, if there's concerns, obviously we speak about them, but if they go through that vetting process, and I see that there is, you know, something more there. Then obviously, I go and visit the site. I take I take a deeper look at at um, at the inside group. You know, their right. property management, how their construction um, managers are, and and really doing a, a full scale due diligence uh, before we go on and and invest. In, yeah, in- I, that's that's so good man, because it, like you. And I, I saw that advantage too, being in the, you know, the operator side as well. You, you've taken it one level, you know, having your CCIM, but you're really able to see down to the bottom of the kind of, and I, as a, as an engineer, I look at things like a system. So like the system that's going to go inside your fund, which is another system, um, like, is that, is there kinks? Is there, is the, is the machine working fully, fully properly? Is it all tuned up and properly aligned? And you're able to deconstruct that and look at, you know, what the, the right market and the team and all these different things to see that the fundamentals are there, because then obviously that reflects inside what, you know, the things you're putting in your fund. And uh, you, so that's, that's so, uh, so valuable to be able to leverage and take advantage of that knowledge and, and uh, skill. And even though, you know, as, as fund managers, we're kind of working on another skill of, you know, just working at the capital level. But again, that knowing that those fundamentals at the at the net, the level down is crucial. That's how, that's how I would look to say that say 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 to that. Well, you 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 said the key word there. You said leverage. So you get to leverage other people's uh, knowledge, their network, uh, their skills, 
And, you know, if, if they really know that market really, really well, they have that market advantage. Sometimes they know where the deals are going to come next. You know, the other operators are thinking about selling and they're able to uh, take, take advantage of that. So, you know, and obviously they're leveraging us, right? So for they're sure. out there looking for the deal, operating the building, operating, um, you know, their, their, their side of the business and they're leveraging us because now they don't have to go looking for the money. They don't have to go look um, uh, to, to, to find that equity. And, and, we, we, and we have a finite amount of, of attention and skill and, uh, you know, high quality output, you know, personally. And where is that best used? Where is that best utilized? You know, so if, if somebody thinks like, oh, I'm, I'm the best operator, I'm the best asset manager, I'm the top level, you know, they're like, well, you're not like the rest of us. Like, you know, you need to focus. And, you know, there's a, there's a lot of demand, you know, you want to, and that's something I think in today's market with is competitive, kind of like you said, it's, I know it's hyper competitive in Florida in some of those areas, but just looking across the board, so much money has been, you know, printed, and there's so many, uh, so many people are in the space now. What is your operational? What is your purchasing? What is your uh, advantage in the space? And like, well, maybe you need to leverage other people and become, you know, drill down into your niche, you know. So whether you know you're going to have a, a capital raising team, you're going to have an operation team, you're going to have an asset management team versus more of a generalist. So I think that's a key point. Yeah. And and now, you know, after the pandemic, we've seen really how technology can assist us with all this. You know, I mean, right now we're, we're even having a, a meeting uh, through, you know, the computer. Right. Uh, and it's becoming more and more knowledge, uh, you know, more and more used, uh, even though obviously a lot of us were using Zoom before. Uh, but now it's just so mainstream. A lot of people are doing it. A lot of people are understanding that you can literally even take tours of properties without actually being there before you go there to really look at uh, what's going on. Uh, so you're able to kind of leverage technology as well so that your time isn't being spent, you know, getting on a, uh, going to the airport, getting on a plane, going to the property, going to the site, and then just kind of not seeing what you're expecting. Because also another thing with technology is, you know, they, they, they could Photoshop, uh, you know, pictures, they could Photoshop information. Yeah. And you'll be surprised, you know, unfortunately, you know, this business is, uh, is risky. You're still dealing with people trying uh, to take advantage of, of, of others. And so, you know, our jobs as that fund manager is to really do our due diligence on, like I said, not, not only the team, but also the property and make sure that everything, you know, is running the way that, that it's supposed to be. Um, because there are still some shady characters out there, you know, I mean, uh, over all the, the, I believe the industry has gotten a lot better, Yeah. but, uh, you know, at the end of the day, you still have to be careful and really cross your T's, dot your I's and, 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 and do your, your proper due diligence. Yeah. And you've, and you've, you've had a, a, a wonderful career there, uh, Ariel, and, and, and you can say that with authority because it's not just like, oh, I think people are better. It's like, oh, whatever. It's like you've seen across a wide, you know, long time horizon and uh, you can say that you know with confidence that you know you you know like i said general you know it's you know there's a in general most of the apples but there's a few bad ones down there and then there's also just people uh, maybe you know just their own bias they don't see or they're overly optimistic or they're not experienced those kinds of things too and as fund managers you know we have that fiduciary responsibility uh to you know to insist on you know certain criteria and certain parameters and certain you know um experience you know certain level of experience and that's our so that's well within our right, you know, as we we are representing, you know, uh, the fund to our investors. Yeah, 
Yeah, and especially you know coming from from Miami, you know we're the fraud capital of of, of the world. <laughs> insurance fraud going on over here. That's one of the reasons why insurance rates w- went up so much. Uh, you know, so uh, we have insurance fraud over here. We have real estate fraud over here. We have uh, title issues uh, that that happen all the time. So I, I've dealt with all all of these things, and um, and so you know by now. I know how to kind of detect them. I know uh, services to use to also, you know, back up my thought process and to really gather information. And, you know, uh, again, uh, you know, with all the tools that we we have and the technology that, that we have, there's certain sites that I go to, there's certain subscriptions that I subscribe to, there's memberships that I have that really allow me to, when I do that, feasibility study, when I do that market study, when I do that background uh, check on that on that uh, particular uh, entity that I'm going to be partnering with, it, it, it really makes it a, a smooth um, way of doing business. And, um, and I've been able to, again, leverage all those things so that I can make a, a, a nice evidence-based decision. Right. Sure. So th- that's what I'm always saying is, you know, in today's world, we got to be doing not an emotional uh, decision. It's not even an educated decision. It's an evidence based decision. What oh, is the God. market telling us? What is um, the data telling us? Do all the analysis and then you could go ahead and, and, and move forward. Beautiful. Let's uh, transition over to some, um, some specifics here, Ariel. Um, and just to, it's kind of a segue, but just a kind of a little bit of a tagline, what you just said there, give, uh, give us like three websites that you find to be the most useful. So you said your websites, some other things, you know, I'm sure it's a quite a, an extensive process, but give us your top three websites, websites that you like to use um, as, you're, as you're doing your due diligence. And then we'll transition into uh, how your fund uh, is specifically how that's set up and some, some of the structure there. Uh, and I, I'm pretty interested to know those, both of those things I see myself as well. Sure. So a uh, top one that I use a lot is a uh, site to do business. Uh, another uh, one that I use is CoStar. And that's just the number one uh, information, commercial real estate information uh, website right, right. now. Right. And of course, you know, there's a hefty uh, price tag to that. <laughs> but if you're doing this on, uh, on a regular basis, I definitely highly uh, recommend you know, subscribing to that. Yeah. And yeah. then, you know, I, I just go to uh, CCIM and uh, on there, there's a, a lot of information that they give on uh, particular asset classes. And uh, believe it or not, you just go to CBRE.com uh, and you look for their research papers too. Okay. And yeah. You could just pull that up. And another one that I like to go to is, you know, the Fed. See, see what, what what they're doing, and they have so. You'll be surprised how much government information is out there on uh, particular, uh, you know, on particular cities. Um, so, yeah, no, that's excellent, man. That's excellent. Those those are those are good. And just so you know, people come away with actual, you know, actual. You know, maybe they'll kind of like, oh, what's going on here? And they'll go to those sites and we'll get more accustomed to that's how this is done. You know, maybe they don't have the precise process or know precisely what to look for but like okay at least these are these are the four websites three websites whatever it is and and how this is done and start like realizing kind of getting kind of by osmosis like okay this is how this 
This is how the pros do those. So awesome. So pivoting uh, to kind of that the fun structure uh, and and to that, I'd love to let's talk, let's drill into that a bit. Um, what have you, um, how have you set up your fund? Um, what does the legal look like? And what, how did you find, how did you go with the structure that you did or the entity structure that you did uh, for your fund? Right. Um, so the way that we like to set it up is a single purpose vehicle, right? Or a yeah. single purpose entity. So it's not an evergreen fund that's just investing in, in, in multiple deals uh, that allows the investors that we bring in to minimize their risk and invest in uh, one particular deal at a time. So basically we structure it where our fund, uh, which is just an LLC with uh, subscription documents with, uh, you know, approved by an SEC attorney. Definitely when you go through this process, make sure that the person under the attorney understands real estate and is SEC um, is an SEC attorney and they know how to uh, create these subscription documents. So it's just certain verbiage that's in the LLC, the documents um, that, that are necessary to be put in there so that you're SEC compliant, mm-hmm. right? Security Exchange Commission. And you could either create it a 506C uh, or 506B. And, you know, the main difference there is that uh, the 506B allows you to have a certain number of unaccredited investors, just basically meaning that the investor has less than a million dollars of net worth. Right. Or the 506C is that all investors that are going to be investing into that fund uh, are accredited and do have a net worth of over uh, a million dollars. And, you know, the SEC has a specific guideline of how that's measured. You know, I think also- For sure. Earning the last two years over two hundred thousand dollars, you could. If, also I could be- if I could just jump in there, have you done? Which one have you gone with? Or, or have you gone with the five hundred six C or B? Just I, I've done, done both. B? Both. Okay, gotcha. I've Sorry. done both. Yeah. 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 And then the 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 benefits of the five hundred six C is that you could publicly advertise returns, right? Compared to the five hundred six B, so you definitely have to make sure you know talk with your attorney how you can promote it. And the five hundred six B, you would have to establish a relationship with that client before offering them that offering. So that's exactly. extremely important because, you know, then the SEC can can always come back and and and, and come at you for, for that. Yeah, and, and they're going to ask for, um, and people maybe think like, well, what did come after me? Like, well, they're going to ask you very specific things. Like, when did you meet this person? Show me the evidence, show me the text, show me the email, show me the what was the meeting and all these kinds of things like, Oh, I know all these people. And it's like, they're like, okay, let's, okay. Maybe let's, let's, let's have some proof here and dig into this. So um, to, to your point, um, yeah, you would, you want to be, you know, learn the rules and follow the rules and make sure those things are, are, are documentable or the, you, you just have some evidence, evidence to, to back up what you're going to claim. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and document all that. So we yeah. use uh, an investor portal, uh, that assists us with documentation and making sure that everyone is uh, verified um, if they claim to be an accredited investor, uh, so that nothing comes back and, and bites us in the butt. Uh, now, of course, uh, all this doesn't matter if everything goes well. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, and, and and luckily we've been able to 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 perform. Uh, but you never know, and and you know the SEC is cracking down more and more. Uh, on these uh, funds that maybe are not operating the way that they should be. 
Right. Yeah. Just pausing, just going back one, two sentences there. Um, what investor portal, and I've had a lot of conversations with a lot of fund managers, which one did you guys go with? Just curious. Well, that was uh, a due diligence process all in itself. It took us, uh, you know, two months uh, really of, of researching it. And I was kind of up uh, on the time limit uh, of when uh, I, I I had to get it already done. So it, don't so go through other, the process before you start the fund, you know? Yeah, dude. It's, in other words, basically like you, you, this, tell, this, in other words, this tells the listeners myself, this is a extremely hard question to answer, very challenging. And there is, it's not like it's like if somebody came out head and shoulders above because the fact that you ran out of time, you had to make a decision means that there was not, there was, it was unclear about who you should move forward with, but you had to make a decision anyway, because sometimes not a decision is not, not an option that we have. Is that correct? That's, that's correct. You know, <laughs> um, but you know, it was one demo after the other, uh, doing a lot of demos and then you don't really get to use the, um, the platform until you actually, you know, have gotten into it. But luckily I chose well, so I went with Invest Next. Yeah. And for uh, the price and the way that they offer everything and what I really enjoyed in in reference to them is, you know, at the end of the year, you have to create the K-1s. They make it extremely easy uh, for, for that. Now, there is no perfect portal, at least that I've seen. And I've talked to a lot of different people. Um, but um, another one that I was a, a high competitor was uh, Update Capital, I believe it was. Um, That's a new one for me. I've not heard of that. Yeah, it was Update Capital and um, or Update Profile. I forgot that one actually, but it, it, it Investnext is the one that we ended up doing and, and, and we've um, uh, kept it. Yeah. And very easy to work with. I'm not here, you know, promoting them or anything like that, but uh, you know, when th- their customer service has been uh, really good and, and whenever I had issues, because obviously I'm not a technology guy, right? Uh, yeah, you know, they, we're leveraging, they, leveraging they technology, leveraging people, you know, uh, you know, that's, that's kind of what we're doing here. That's, that's one of our core, kind of our core, uh, I guess kind of our core ethos is leveraging. How, how do you leverage these things, you know, in a, in a, in a fruitful spot of, of, you know, business and entrepreneurialism and happens to be real estate. Uh, and that's, uh, that's why, you know, the, the people that are more successful have learned this leverage game, but I think of it as a game in this, you know, favorite asset, favorite class. So that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Rockefeller said, I'd rather make 1% of a hundred people in a 100% off of my own efforts. <laughs> yeah. Right? yeah. So true, man. So true. So, uh, so yeah, you, you and he, you, he, he was one of the best capitalists that ever lived. That's true, man. That's, that's true. Um, uh, so yeah, so you've you've done both the 506C and the 506B. You used Investnext, and um, and then so because it's an SPV, um, maybe you said it, maybe I just my ears just didn't catch it there. So you've been you've been going to basically run uh, one fund to one deal. Is that is that how that's been, that's how you've been setting that up? Uh, correct. Correct. Yeah. yeah. And so one thing you got to think about it yeah, is please. that uh, there's a main LLC that's going to purchase that property, right, or yeah. that investment. Okay. And then they are typically also looking for investors themselves. What the way that I approach it is I come in and after establishing a relationship with that sponsor or operator, um, I um, explain to them, okay, if I could bring in a million dollars or if I could bring in more money than that regular investor, I take care of all the back end, 
right? Will you give me favorable terms? For sure. Yeah. And and um, most of the time they're they're in agreement with that. Yeah. And and what what I do is I get more favorable terms than if you would invest directly with that operator, and I go ahead and uh, you know pass that on to the investors that pass on to me. And then sometimes these people have you know two hundred fifty thousand dollar minimum, five hundred thousand dollar minimum, maybe even a million dollar minimum. And the benefit of investing into the fund. We'll have either a fifty thousand dollar minimum, a seventy five thousand dollar minimum, or a hundred thousand dollar minimum, and so you could go ahead and invest in that. And I really like that uh, a lot for 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 multiple reasons, because as we invest into that uh, particular deal, first of all, we're a limited partner. Yeah. So that means you have limited risks, right? You're not just your capital, just your capital place. No legal risk beyond that. That's a beautiful thing. There's an LP, right? Yep. Yep. Exactly. So, you know, your personal assets are not under scrutiny. Uh, if, uh, you know, the operator gets sued, you have nothing to, uh, to do with that. Um, so it's just really your capital. Uh, only that capital is at risk at, at that moment in time. But other than that, um, you don't have any risks, right? Right. Uh, as a personal investor, or even if you've invested in uh, as an LLC, right? Because you could be invested at, at, as, as a GP and and still be underneath a company, but you're still going to have certain responsibilities. And uh, and as you know, if the corporate veil isn't done correctly, you know you can also have some of your personal assets at risk. But uh, another thing is, you know, talking about leverage is that when the operator that sponsored that LLC. Uh, gets a loan on that property, that loan doesn't fall on you. Yeah, right. Uh, right. So it's not you. So if, if you want to go and purchase a house or you want to use leverage on another investment, that's not going to be considered part of your debt to income. Mm, I, hadn't, I hadn't thought of that, but that's another, that's beautiful. Yeah, that's beautiful because it's not, it doesn't reflect on you that there's, you know, you, yeah, you're part of it. And there is leverage on the, the end asset, but it's not, it doesn't reflect on you as you being leveraged there, right? Correct. Correct. So I, I love that aspect of it. Right. Um, and then, of course, what I what I first started off with saying is that what a lot of people don't realize is now you can really be even more diversified. So what do I mean by that, let's suppose you do have two hundred thousand dollars to invest. Yeah. Instead of going all in with that two hundred thousand dollars on a specific property, you can now invest fifty thousand dollars. Maybe on a multifamily property in Arizona, uh, fifty thousand dollars in uh, multifamily in Kansas, and then a hundred thousand dollars maybe in uh, senior living uh, housing investment opportunity in Florida. Yeah. Right. And now you're diversified not only geographically but also in a different asset class. And yeah, that's what I, I like to preach a lot. And 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 that's what I, I like to do is you, I like is to that, be diversified. You're still in real estate. Yeah. You're still taking advantage of, of, of high risk, low uh, or low risk, high returns. Right. And um, and you're also being diversified in, in that aspect, like, like I mentioned. And I love that too, man. I've been I've been telling my prospective, you know, investors as well that, you know, this is a, this is the beauty. This is why you do this. This is the benefit. Uh, not that there's not downside, but this is the upside, and this is pretty pretty uh, compelling. 
uh, is, and to that point, I want to make sure I understand this correctly, more maybe just my limited knowledge here, that if you, you went into multiple asset classes in multiple areas or with multiple operators, that would no longer be an SPV. Is that, is that true or is that, is that not true? You're saying, no, right, right. So the way that, that that's why I like the SPV model, um, because you do an SPV specifically for a multifamily property, let's suppose in Arizona. Yeah. Yep. And then another SPV will be done for that particular property in, in, in Kansas. Yeah. So let's suppose that the property in Arizona doesn't go well for whatever reason. For sure. Well, first of all, the the property in Kansas is doing really well. So if you're invested in both properties, maybe there is an average return on your overall portfolio. But also maybe another investor that didn't invest in the Arizona deal, right? And maybe they didn't like it for whatever reason, but they decided to invest in the Kansas deal. You know, they're not being affected by that Arizona deal that they didn't do so well. Does that make sure. sense? Yeah, for sure. And I guess my, my what I where I was going with that was, um, is there any kind, is there any connection between the different SPVs? So, are you having like another fund, like another management on top of that, or and like you know, let's just say you have like you know, ten investors in SPV one, and then ten investors in SPV two, you know, et cetera. And are they um, are are they having to go in directly to that, or like like that that averaging of the different SPVs? Is that through you or how does that work? Or are they just completely separate? Because that's like, because like, I guess yeah. in my mind, it would be like another, like, be like a general fund. And then you'd have, you know, allocations to multiple deals inside the fund and it would no longer be an SPV. So that's, that's, that's my, a little bit of confusion or, or fuzziness. Um, yeah. Right. Do you, if you could, can you, uh, no, uh, yeah, I understand your question on that one. Yeah. Yeah. Abso- absolutely. So the, the single purpose vehicle, the way that we do it, because yeah. you're right, you could do it more of a single purpose of a fund, right? And that fund can invest in multiple deals. But the way that I really like it is an SPV single purpose vehicle for our particular deal. Sure. That's the way I like to do it. So you create basically that single purpose vehicle, that LLC, that fund, however yep. you want to uh, name it. Okay. They, they all pretty much are the same thing right again the the spv the only difference is that that llc the operating agreement has specific language in there yeah right written by an sec attorney okay but the way that i like it is that that particular fund will will be opened up for a period of time and then closed right for no more investors to come in and it then invests in a particular deal right Right. So now when another SPV is open or another opportunity comes up, a new SPV is done for that particular deal. Sure. And what I think the feedback that I'm receiving is my investors like that. Yeah. Because, again, they are now able to independently look at each deal. And decide if they want to get into one other than the other. And again, if another asset like you know it 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 happens right so believe it or not let's suppose if you're invested in multiple in one fund or let's suppose even like a real estate investment trust sure right that is um uh, public let's suppose if certain assets in that big fund are not doing well right it's going to affect your returns 
For sure. On top yeah. of that, as more investors, this is the other thing that a lot of people don't think about, right? As more investors are buying shares of that particular real estate investment trust yeah. or, or fund, that's diluting you. That's diluting right. your shares, right? Yeah. yeah. So with this model and doing it this way, the investor, right, the end investor is being protected and their shares are not being diluted. Ah, yeah. This is this is so good. This is the this is the meaty stuff that I just absolutely love. This is this is such this is such good stuff, man. And uh, here's a book here. Actually, I just got this the other day. Maybe you've seen this or read this one. This is a yeah, oh, yeah. investor investor capital. Maybe you've seen that one. You know, I, I, that I, one. I haven't read it yet. Yeah, um, working through that one. Um, and they're 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 laid that out fairly. They're not they don't get too uh, arcane with a bunch of jargon. They lay it out fairly. I mean, there's a lot of you know you know certain dialects or certain jargon you have to use. But some of these things are, and they're talking about dilution and things like that. Uh, I know that's a really basic concept in the investing space. But uh, to your point, uh, like you know, that's something if you don't think about uh, one of the basic uh, investing concepts like that of dilution. Like then you're just like, oh, you just you just hadn't thought of it. You're just not aware of it. So, but anyway, so but but to your point of SPV, and then you're still you're like, I'm, I guess my question was like, why are you? Why would they come back to you? And they're like, what versus just going to the operator? Well, they can bring less capital. They can have they have more control in that particular deals, you know, like maybe they don't want to or do want to, and um, and then you get the special treatment, and they and they like you, they like the way you do things, they like the way you operate, and then you have these different deals going on. So they're still funneling through you to you know do the due diligence. You're still doing SPV, which is deal specific. It's still the fund model. They don't need to be bringing a million dollars and all those kinds of things. So I'm finally dawning on me. That's thank you for yeah. like working with me and explaining to me uh, very simply and, well, and uh, slowly. Believe it or not. You know, mo most people they they're gonna stay with you and not go direct because they don't have the knowledge or time or expertise to actually do the due diligence. So in reality, they're trusting me um, that I've done that. Yeah. And they're trusting my experience and they're leveraging me to do all that. And that way, they can focus on instead of being a real estate uh, entrepreneur on being whatever they're doing to generate income. And 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 they could be the best, you know, doctor. They could be the best CPA. They could be the best attorney, uh, whatever. You know, maybe they're operating a business, uh, you know. And and so they're really trusting me and my expertise to to go. Okay, Ariel says it's a good deal. Now, obviously, they are going to want to be some type, uh, you know, well versed in the asset class. And and kind of be able to you know go through my literature and and kind of validate what what I've what I've done you know obviously you just don't invest blindly <clears throat> I never suggest anyone to do that right yes. um, which millions of people do it all the time in the stock market but that's a whole other story yeah um, but but that's why I think that they don't go uh, directly on top of that like I said I always negotiate better terms so that when you're investing into our fund you're going to get a better return so just in case of the due diligence and, and all that didn't work it's still it's beneficial because you're investing in my fund which is going to give you nine out of ten times even a better return if you would go direct for sure no that's that's so powerful man I, I love i love laying it out and i'm just getting more and more clarity as i talk to people like yourself that have done it that are have thought through it and have been in the trenches and and, and uh have studied this thing and 
can present the like what are the advantages. It doesn't mean it's for everybody. It doesn't mean there's lots of people that are sophisticated, you know, investors and high net worth people that are want to do tech and stocks and, and options and all these things. Like, well, this is this, you know, this is for the right person. That's the right investor. This has to match what they want to see and what they want to do. And your that last part of the last point you were making there was, you know, they are they don't they're leveraging us or you uh, to provide the expertise they don't have. They want to focus in their business or whatever they they do. And uh, you know, take advantage of of the services you're providing, which is awesome. And you have to be again in that really lucrative space called real estate. So that's that's the uh, that's kind of like crystallizing that that kind of uh, the, or encapsulating that that whole cycle and and process. You nailed it. Well, awesome, man. Well, I think we're uh, we'll we'll respect the time here. Not just uh, what we I know we could just both just keep talking and and get digging into this area, but we'll we'll probably wrap it up. Um, give us the, your best uh, website uh, to connect with you, and also uh, just uh, throw out your. I think I know you have a book, like you said, the Four Pillars of Real Estate. There, and any other thing you want to share with the audience? Yeah, you guys could go to www.pillarsofrealestate.com, and also go to www.pillarsofrealestate.com floor uh, forward slash webinar. And go take a look at my webinar. And there I really get into even more details of, uh, you know, investing and how you can do it passively and be a Beautiful. true passive investor. Beautiful, man. Yeah. And I will put those uh, those links in the show notes here and awesome. uh, we'll, we'll go from there. So awesome, man. Thank you for your time. All right. Uh, investing stuff, as you know, listeners, thank you for your time. Thank you for your attention. And hopefully you learned something here. Awesome.